This is Matt from the Man Cave. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching with your daily devotion for May the 10th. Hope you're having an excellent day. Hey, today we're going to be in the book of Ezekiel. And when we're looking at the prophet Ezekiel, I'm telling you what, God had him do a lot of things that you and I would consider very strange. We're like, really? In the book of Ezekiel chapter 4, and it reads like this, okay? And this is God speaking to Ezekiel. This is so interesting. Now, son of man, take a clay tablet. Put it in front of you and draw the city of Jerusalem on it and lay siege to it. Erect siege works against it. Build a ramp up to it. Set up camps against it and battering rams around it. You're like, okay, man, I'm with you so far. What does all that mean? God is asking Ezekiel to be likened unto an architect, okay? He's to take a clay, basically, he's to make a model of the city of Jerusalem and Israel, okay? And he's to make it just like, so if someone, okay, who was living in Jerusalem during those days and living in Israel during those days was to walk by and they saw this model, they would recognize what it was. They would say, hey, that's Israel. That's that's Jerusalem. Look at th there. There's my street. Hey, look at there. There's the temple. Hey, I know where that road is. God is telling Ezekiel, make a model of Jerusalem, okay? Just like it is. But he adds one thing to it, okay? He says, after you're done with that, then you're going to make it look like it's being attacked. Meaning this, I want catapults outside. I want little army men all the way around it. I want a siege wall going around it, okay? I want all of these different aspects of what? Of war, of destruction, of misery, of heartache, of pain, of suffering. I want all of those things that people would understand. When they looked at it, they would know exactly what that was, okay? And here's the thing. You're like, Matt, why? Why is, why is God asking Ezekiel, the prophet, that he have better things to do? I mean, can he just go into town and prophesy? He can and he has. Along with other prophets, they've warned Israel over and over and over and over again, but they're not hearkening unto the word. So what is God doing? He's showing them a word picture. He's, he's showing them what's about to take place. And any individual who walked by, who saw it, would understand what it represented. And what are they going to do? They're going to do the same thing you and I often do. Hey, do you know what Ezekiel's doing? The prophet, the man of God, okay? He, he's built Jerusalem. He's built a model, but he's built a siege around it with battering rams and catapults and men of war, okay? And, and you know, they're just chit-chatting at the local cafe. What do you think? What do you mean, what do you think? That's coming. See, that's what God's saying. This is coming. God is prophesying through Ezekiel what is about to take place in their lives, okay? And friends, it's not going to be pretty. And you know, the question a lot of people would say, why? Friends, listen very carefully. Because of idolatry. Because of unfaithfulness because they haven't been listening to God, his prophets, his word, his directions, his mandates, the things that God has said no to, they said yes to. God said, hey, I want you to do these things. These are the things I want you to do. They could care less about, okay? Meaning they've incorporated the idols of the land into their lives along with some other practices, along with some other belief systems, okay? And they said, we're okay. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We're going to pay a little bit of homage to God, okay? We'll give him his due. We'll flip him a quarter on Sunday, okay? Put a little on the offering plate, okay? But during the week, we want to live like we want to live, meaning I want to live like hell, but I want the blessings of God. 
And that's what a lot of people are doing this very day. They live like hell during the week, but they're still claiming Christianity, claiming they're children of the living God, and they're claiming a heritage that doesn't belong to them because they're not living it out, because they've never been changed from the inside out. They've been trying to change themselves from the outside in. Just doesn't work. So what's God going to do? God is showing Ezekiel exactly what is about to take place. Ezekiel, without even having to speak a word, okay, has built this city, has built the siege walls, has put the catapults there, has put all these word pictures in front of them and so they know they're without excuse. My, why are they without excuse? Friends, listen, listen, listen. Oh my goodness. These people had every opportunity to do the right thing. These people have been blessed by God, favored by God, okay? They have the law of God. They have so much that God has already given them, okay? They have it all. I mean, really, God could have left them in Egypt. He could have left them there, but what does he do? With an outstretched hand, he gets them out of Egypt, brings them into the promised land, gives them every opportunity, every blessing that he could actually give them. If we're to look into scripture, okay, and look for another word picture, we'll find one in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 1. It says this, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. Verse 2, he dug it up and cleared of all the stones and planted it the most choice vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad. Very interesting. Verse 3, now you dwellers in Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I have already done? When I looked for good grapes, why did it not yield any? It only yielded bad. Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and I will destroy it. I will break down its walls and they will be trampled. I will make a wasteland. He's going to make it a wasteland. And what is the vineyard? It's Israel. In that text in Isaiah, it says this, what more could I have done? I've blessed you here and here and here, and I've been patient with you. I've been long-suffering with you. I've been forbearance. I've sent my prophets in there, which you destroyed, which you killed, okay? I've done all these things. What more could I have done? And I wonder if he was to ask that question of you and I, or if he was to ask that question of someone who died without Jesus Christ and was standing before him in the great white throne judgment, and he looked that person in the eyes and said this, what more could I have done in your life? What could I have done to have helped you to move you towards me? Have you ever heard this statement? A picture is worth a thousand words. That's what we're talking about here. But God is going to give them another word picture in verse 3. And it says this. Now, take an iron pan, place the iron pan on the wall between you and the city and turn your face towards it. And a lot of people, they're like, what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about probably a pan similar to this. This is a large cast iron pan. Uh, a lot of people in the South, they cook in nothing but these, okay? They love these pans. Here's the thing. This thing is almost indestructible and it's heavy as the day is long. But God is telling Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do, Ezekiel. I want you to place this pan, put a couple nails in the wall, and put this pan between you and the city, okay? Then I want you to look at the pan. And you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. What is it meaning? It's meaning this, okay? Here's the thing. This ain't given. Let's say someone tries to attack Matt in the park, okay? Besides me pulling my Glock out, okay? I'm going to grab this pan, old school, whack him up the head. What's going to give, his head or the pan? Do you think I'm going to break my pan? Do you think I'm going to bring my pan home and my wife's going to be yelling at me? You busted the cast iron pan. I was going to cook chicken in that tonight. What is going to give, his head, his skull, or the pan? 
He's going to be laying in the rocks dead, bleeding to death, okay? But listen, this pan, it's not giving, okay? It's not giving. Why is the pan giving? Are you kidding me? This is about 15 pounds. It's made of cast iron. It's that thick, okay? It's like quarter-inch steel, okay? Let's say this pan is you or I. Or better yet, let's get you and I off the hook. Let's say this is Israel. What is God saying? God is saying this. You're hard-hearted. You're stubborn. You're insubordinate. You're not listening. You're just like this pan. You're rebellious, okay? I've done all this. What more could I have done for you, okay? And so I, Ezekiel has to hang this up, okay? And he has to put it there. And realize this, those pans during those days, very, very, very expensive. Yeah, we can go to Amazon and order one. It wasn't like that in those days. So to have this pan hanging on the wall between him and the city, I think they understood what it meant, okay? Because they understood the concepts. You and I might not understand it today, but watch what God is saying. God is saying, you are hard-hearted. You are rebellious. You're not listening to me. I've done everything for you. What more could I have done? Okay, and what he's saying is, all I wanted you to do is turn back to me, to repent, to do it my way. God was wanting, was their heart to be likened unto the clay that Ezekiel was molding the city out of. That's what you and I are. The Bible says in Jeremiah 18, and it says in Romans chapter 9, it talks about us, you and I, and Israel, and everyone else being like clay. What we need to do is be like clay in the master's hands and not fight him. Let him mold us. He wants to sculpt us into something beautiful. But what are we doing? Okay, we're fighting God. We're the clay saying, why are you doing this? You don't have any right to touch me. That's what the clay's saying, okay? That's what Israel was doing, okay? They're saying, we want to serve the Baals. We want to serve the Asherah Poles. We want to serve Dagon. We want to serve all these false gods. And yeah, we'll give you a little attention. And God says, no way, Jose. Israel didn't believe God. They absolutely didn't believe God. They were looking in, at the temple, which is this beautiful building, and they were saying this, we're the children of Abraham. Are you kidding me? God's not going to ever do all those things. I mean, Ezekiel, I under, hey, hey, thanks for the threats. It's not happening. That's basically, they were so hard-hearted against God and his prophets and his word and his spirit that they just were ignoring them. They just were continuing on in the lifestyle of idolatry, the things that they had incorporated into their lives that were contrary to the word of God. They just kept on doing them. They didn't even flinch. You got to realize they just didn't believe God. They absolutely didn't. Just like America and the other nations of the world don't believe God that he will bring it. Because they think God's a God of love and mercy and grace. He's not going to do those things anymore. That was the God in the Old Are Testament. Are you kidding me? Give me a break. What's the story, okay, about that guy? Trace, what's the story about that guy who built that uh, big boat? You know, that huge boat where he killed all of humanity, but only that one guy's family was saved? You mean no? Noah, Noah, that's it. You know what I'm saying? We forget Noah, we forget Sodom and Gomorrah, we forget all these other times. We forget this story, what's about to take place after this, how God brought it. Because we're living in a time where people just ignore God the same way Israel did, okay? They continued on and continued on. Well, if we continue with our story, God's giving them a picture of what's going to happen. He's showing them what their heart looks like, and then he's going to give them the time. Listen to how good God is. God is showing them exactly what's going to take place. He's showing them where they are in the relationship with him. They're hard-hearted, they're stubborn, they're rebellious, but now he's going to give them the exact timing of how, how long. I mean, how good can you be? Okay, he's telling them exactly everything that's going to take place. He says this in verse 4, Ezekiel, lie on your side and put the sin of the house of Israel upon yourself. You are to bear their sin for the number of days you lie on your side. I have assigned you the same number of the days and the years of their sin. 390 days will you bear the sin of the house of Israel. After you are finished, listen to this, 
Verse 6, after you are finished, lie down again on the, your other side and bear the sins of the house of Judah. I've assigned for you 40 days, a day for each year. Turn your face towards the siege of Jerusalem and with bared arm prophesy against her. So God is, listen to what God's asking him to do. He has to lay on his left side for 390 days without getting up, without moving. How did he do it? Friends, I don't know, but he did it through the power of God, okay? He had food. I mean, there's a lot of questions that come into my mind. How did he go to the bathroom? How did he do all those things? Friends, I don't know, but here's the thing. If God told him to do it, he was a man of God. He obeyed. He didn't buck the system. He's not the clay. This one, look at this. This molded vessel of God isn't one that's going to complain against God. He was told what to do, and he just did it. I love those kind of men. I love the Daniels. The Elijahs, the Ezekiels. I love these people like I'm reading about the Elishas and the Peters and the Pauls. All these people, okay, who were just people like you and I. They were servants of the Most High God. Here's the thing. But they were servants, meaning they emptied themselves of what? Just that, of self. And they served the King of Kings. No matter what the request is, you know what I'm saying? They did it. He did it, okay? So they know exactly how long the siege is going to be, okay? Ezekiel does this. I guess, here's the thing. I toss and turn all night when I sleep, you know. I'm on my back. I'm on my side. To lay on one side and not move for 390 days, very difficult. He can do it through the strength of God. God enabled him to do that, okay? I bet he was so happy when it was time to lay on the other side, which represented Judah, okay? Only 40 days, okay? Let me tie the whole story in together, okay? Very shortly, okay, Assyria is going to come in, and they're going to do just exactly, okay, what Ezekiel prophesied. They're going to place up siege ramps, and that means this, that there's no one going in, and there's no one going out. Whatever's in the city, that's what you have. So much so, if we were to continue reading on in the further chapters, they run out of food. And what do they do? They eat their children. God prophesied it was going to happen, and that's exactly what they did, okay? The place is a muck, okay? And watch this. This is so interesting. Remember the pan on the wall? That's their heart, okay? They're so hardened against the things of God. They're so rebellious against God and His Word and His prophets, okay? They're rebellious, okay? They just don't want to do it. They don't want to repent. They want what they want. Anytime during this time, Israel could have repented. They could have said, sorry. They could have said, God, you're right. We're wrong. They could have put sackcloth on, ashes on their head. They could have gone to the priest. They could have repented of all that that they were doing. What does that inquire? Turning from, turning to. It's just not lip service to God, because I know too many people just play lip service to God. Okay, on Sunday morning, but the rest of the week, hellions. Okay, that's how they're living. Like hell, all right? But here's the thing. Their heart is so hard-hearted, just like the pan, okay? And so they're not giving an inch. They're not going to give. The Chaldeans aren't going to give. Israel's not going to repent and get right with God. And they're not giving in to the Chaldeans. But, okay, who turned their hearts like that? Their sin did. As they continued sinning and storing up that sin, their hearts were hardened towards the things of God. That is this. Sin is death, okay? It's a detriment to your life and it steals your freedom. It steals your blessings and it steals the favor of God. That's what sin does to you. You think it's freedom. You think it's pleasurable for a season. It's none of those things, okay? It's destruction. It's death. It's poison that you're eating and then it incorporates into your life and you're not wanting to get rid of it, even though it's destroying you from the inside out. Let's talk about my cast lodge iron pan. The Chaldeans. Israel's heart are hardened because of their own sins, but God has hardened the hearts of the Chaldeans and the Babylonians that are going against and they're not giving up. Friends, that's a long time for you to wait living in a tent outside of a city. The whole time, God is stirring their spirits. They're so angry. What happens just as 
Ezekiel planned it out. It goes on for 390 days, okay? Happening. They're out of food. Israel is totally out of food. They're eating each other. I mean, it's a bad, bad scene. People are dying of, uh, of diseases, okay? They're dying of malnutrition. Every, I mean, there's so much calamity. There's murder. There's all these. People are killing people in Israel, okay, to eat each other. That's how bad it's gotten, okay? So much so that the king in the middle of the night tries to escape. So the king of Israel has to sneak out. He's sneaking out of the city with his chosen men to the plains of Jericho. Now, what are the plains of Jericho? That's, watch this very carefully because this is interesting. When God brought the chosen people, okay, through the Jordan, the first little section of town that they were at was what? The plains of Jericho. That's where the greatest miracle that we know of, besides the Red Sea, where the walls fell down. Okay, and that was with Joshua, and they went around the you know the city seven times. And now he's hiding. It's so ironic. God's sense of humor. He's trying to hide in the plains of Jericho. He's caught. What do they do? They take his sons and they slew his sons right before him. They take his eyes out, and he spends the rest of his life in jail in Babylon. Why? Because he wasn't doing it God's way. What about the rest of Israel? Did they just march him really nicely over to Babylon? A third died by the sword. A third of them were impaled, okay? And the rest were marched. And you're like, what does that mean, impaled? What they did is they had a huge stick in the ground. I mean, like a fence post that had a sharpened edge. And they would grab this person, okay? And they would jam this person down on this post. And so when you're walking on the road, to the left and to the right of you, they had all of these people alongside the road that were impaled, okay? Children. Mothers, mothers that were pregnant, dad, grandpa, didn't matter. Why did God allow it? Sin, idolatry, wanting to do it my way, wanting to do it opposite of God and his word, okay? What about the other ones? Did they get away? They got away with nothing. The women that were pretty, they were raped. What about the others? They had a fish hook, a big gigantic fish hook put through their nose. They were stripped naked and they were chained to the person behind them. So if the person in front of you fell, it ripped out your nose. Did you hear what I said? It ripped out your nose, and they marched these people with fish hooks in their noses, stripped naked, totally naked, okay? Women, adults, children, kids, it didn't matter to them. They're no respecter of persons, as God is no respecter of persons. Sin has consequences on all levels, okay? And they marched them hundreds and hundreds of miles, okay? Now watch this. Along the way, some would die. Guess what you had to do? You had to pick up the person who died and carry them until you had someone would take that fish hook out of their nose. If not, they would yank your nose off and the person's nose off in front of you. Ask you one question. How serious do you think God is about sin? Look what he did to his chosen people, Israel. He says, well, man, I'm in the man cave. You know what I'm saying? I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I went to church Sunday. Let me ask you a question. How serious do you think God is about sin in the life of a believer because these were God's chosen people. God hates sin because God is holy. People don't understand holiness. If they understood holiness, okay, it would change their whole life. See, there's another story in the Bible about a guy named Jonah who he was rebellious and he didn't want to listen to God. And you guys know the story. If you go on my playlist, you'll see the whale it's there. It's these beautiful whales. It's a great story and it's short. Watch that thing. But listen very carefully, okay? He has a terrible, terrible attitude. I don't want to go there, Lord. Those are rotten people. They're fish worshipers, meaning they were worshiping day God. He, got, he wanted God just to clobber them with lightning, and destroy them, bust their party up, let them all go to hell. That was Jonah's attitude. And you know, I think sometimes we're a lot like Jonah, how we think of our enemies or those people we don't care for. But what does God do? God steps up the plate and he shows mercy, 
and grace and love. And he gives them, okay, the city of Nineveh, a spirit of repentance. And from the top to the least of them, they repented before Almighty God. That was the reaction that he was wanting for Israel. That is what God wanted for Israel to do, to just get right with him. Everybody, God spared Nineveh, okay? God brought destruction upon his own chosen people. The nation of Israel. He brought America it. has had so many more warnings than Israel ever did. Listen very carefully. We have had warning after warning after warning after warning. Okay, we have the word of God. We have preachers. We have the elect of God. We have all these things that America has been blessed with. Okay, such a beautiful land, a land of freedom. Okay, no, it's not perfect by any means. But here's the thing. We are so accountable before God. And when he brings it, we deserve it. Those who are in Christ, if you die, you go to heaven. Those who are outside of Christ, who have added to God's word or taken away from God's word, they'll open their eyes in hell, just like the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Friends, where are you in this mix? That's really what we're talking about, because I'm not talking about the nations. I'm not talking about America. I'm talking about the person who has clicked the play button on my video today. Where are you? Where is your relationship with God? Look at your life, okay? Matt loves you, okay? God loves you. All that I'm telling you, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. God loves you so much, he would have never sent his only begotten son to you if he didn't love you, adore you, cherish you. But he cannot look at your sin and look the other way. And especially if you call yourself a Christian, okay? He's going to deal with that. He's going to chasten you. He's going to bring it to your doorstep. You're not going to like it. It's better if you will hearken like the Ninevites. You never thought I would say that, but they repented. Get right with Almighty God. Make sure you're on the straight and narrow. Make sure the life you're living is pleasing to the Lord. You're here for one thing. It's to bring glory to God. If you're not receiving all that God has for you, it's because you've incorporated something that He doesn't like within your life. It has to be God's way. All of God. Everything that's in here. Nothing that is not. It's just this. All these pages tell us how to live. What God requires, what God will do in our lives, how God will bless us, He'll favor us, He'll heal us of our sicknesses, but it, there's curses in this book too, friends. And here's the thing, if you're dabbling in stuff outside of Christianity, you're going down the wrong road, friends. I think a lot of you, friends, are likened unto this. Your heart is likened unto this, meaning this, you have divided loyalties towards God. You want the things of this world. You want to live the life that you've been living this whole time, but God is calling you on the carpet. It is no coincidence that you're watching this video this very day. Don't be like this lodge cast iron pan, hard-hearted, rebellious, I'll do it my way, I'll pay tribute to God when I want to. That never works. Base your whole life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. This rock? No, bigger. That rock? No, bigger. What's bigger than that rock around here? Him! He's the solid rock! Yeah! Hey, this is Matt from the Man Cave.